I feel like a little nervous right now. Good. Okay, good. Running, running, and running, running, and running, running, and running, running, and rolling, rolling. Moves control. Body and soul. Welcome back to On the Vibe. Thank you so much for tuning into our fourth episode. Number four. Do you want to breathe, Victoria? I would love to breathe. You want to breathe, Sky? Fuck yeah. Let's breathe. Let's do it. Let's get that oxygen. <sighs> bring one hand to your belly. If you can, bring one hand to your heart. If you're driving, mm-hmm. please keep your hands mm-hmm. on the wheel. <laughs> Inhale to your belly first, fill it all the way up, and then inhale to your chest, and then exhale out your chest, exhale out your belly, and again in your belly, in your chest, all the way, tip top to your collarbones, a little bit more, exhale to your chest, out your belly, again in belly. In chest, out chest, out belly, and again in, all the way up, and out. Keep your hands there. We got kitties coming around. (laughs) (laughs) Connect to your center, connect to your body just be aware that you are yeah feel your connection to the earth and see how that changes how you feel be aware of your body in space Mm. and that's it no judgment nothing else just be aware Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Victoria. You always somehow managed to make my lungs reach a new capacity, and I'm like, ah, fuck, I didn't know I could feel that way. (laughs) Oh, Sky. So we have Sky Coin, one of the most wonderful angel ladies of all time, I would say at least. Yeah, just the brightest shining light. She's our guest today on a very, very special personal episode of our podcast. And I will say, this is, um, there's a bit of a trigger warning in this podcast, so um, our topic today is about eating disorders, so if that at all has any sort of trigger to it to you, or if it affects you in any way that you just need to take a couple extra breaths, here's our here's our pre-warning in that, mm. but um, we plan to do some good here on this podcast. So. Always. <laughs> yes. And so Sky went to college with Victoria and I, UCF. If you tuned into our third episode last week, we had Sky's boyfriend, Isaac, on with his mommy vet. Mm-hmm. So we're keeping it in the fam for our first two guests and hopefully to be continued with more of our friends. So thank you, Sky, for coming on. We Absolutely. are honored to have you. Thank you guys for having me, of especially course. on you know a subject that 
everyone, not everyone can relate to, but I feel like, you know, we were talking about earlier, it's something that people have either experienced themselves or someone that they know mm-hmm. has experienced totally. it. And it it's still, it's decreasing in its taboo-ness, but it is a little, still it's a little taboo to talk about because yeah, there's sure. a stigma surrounding it, so... Thank you for being brave and courageous to open Thanks. up and share your story. And we're so excited to see what comes of it. You know, whatever you, sort guys. of healing this can offer our audience and and us and ourselves. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> <laughs> okay, so um, October is Health and Wellness yes. Month for our partners. Change is ours. And because our podcast on the vibe is very much about wellness as a whole, we're going to celebrate throughout the month of October mm-hmm. health and wellness in so many different capacities. It also happens to be Victoria and my birthday month. Birthday month. Birthday on the vibe. Yeah, we're really excited, and that's the most on-brand thing. What our friend Adam was like, that's the most on-brand thing I've ever heard of. Like, yeah, birthday on the vibe. But, so um, it's going to be a month of celebration and embracing uh, all facets of of healing, of wellness, and we're gonna go. We're gonna dive also, right in. Um, speaking of October <laughs> health and wellness, um, I will be leading a meditation boot camp sort of month mm. deal where I personally will be med someone left in a hurry. Um I personally will be meditating every single morning and if not in the morning I will be medita- meditating every single day, sometimes twice a day and we'll be posting updates about that on the pod the podcast on the vibe Instagram. So if you want to join, if you'd love to join or if you want to be a part of a meditation boot camp in any way i'm going to be posting on there and feel free to comment and share and be a part of it because the more people involved the more we can uplift each other and hold each other accountable absolutely that kind of reminds me of uh different experiments they've done throughout the country throughout the world where they facilitate giant mass meditations in washington dc new york city where they get as many people as they can to sit collectively and Mm. meditate on peace and wellness to, Mm. you know, the world and to their cities. And believe it or not, statistics have shown that the crime rate for that day, for that week, significantly were lower. Well, we'll definitely do some um, live meditations then and go live on the the Instagram. Meditation on the vibe? Yeah. So when we be vibing, we'll let you guys know. You feel? You feel? (laughs) Okay. I love all the voices that you do. (laughs) What voices? What? (laughs) Sky, you have some of your own voices. Oh Mm. boy, do I ever! And we all each the Jewish in you comes out real quick. It's true. It's true. And all of us have our own furry friends. Victoria and Sky have the most beautiful pups, and I now not only have one kitty, but I have a second kitty. And we each have our own like animal voices that are just so sweet and special. I always like whenever I talk to Abby, it's really funny because Isaac will always make fun of me. He'll be like, "Okay." Try just to see what would happen. <laughs> Try to talk to her in a normal just voice. Just like in a plain tone. And I'm like, I'll be like, hey, Abby, how's it going? 
It's impossible because, well, there's this thing, apparently it's called cuteness aggression. Mm, yes. And it's like when you see an animal, no. when you see an animal, that it, like it, Plaguing it's America. in like the same part of your brain where like aggressive feelings yeah. are. And it's so cute. You like have the urge to like hurt it, not actually hurt it. But like slightly, you like this is, and, and Isaac's one to talk because when he lived with Ian and I and Duke, he constantly would be like, Mr. Duke, I just want to kill you. I want to squeeze you. Oh, he doesn't tell you all the time. Yeah. He doesn't no, it's me. It's me all the way. I literally, I just, first of all, I also talk to her like 24 7. So it's, it can be excessive. Fair. But at least I'm self aware, right? Yeah. That's, that's the first step. Speaking of self awareness, tell us your story about how you <laughs> that transition, though. Oh my God. What was your eating disorder experience like, <laughs> I fucking love you. Oh, love God. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, where to start. Well, I, okay, so. Probably at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, that's always the <laughs> best place start at to the start. very beginning. So, yeah. I remember when you, we, the first time you expressed your story to me, we were at Dandelion in mm. Orlando, Florida. And that was such an important place for all of us in Orlando. Yes. Oh, for sure. Um, Thank you, Dandelion. If you're in Orlando, you get it. And it. I hope you can, wherever you are in your community, you can find a place that you can go to, to connect and to really just be at your roots, I would yeah, say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I remember that day was so so powerful for me because I didn't know that you struggled in that way. Yeah. And I was struggling at that time. Mm. And it was so, such a gift to hear you talk about your story and where you came from. Mm. And when you first brought it up to me, you talked about how it was, you were so young first off yeah. you were so young when you first found out and also it was your friends really and your family that like started to change things for you yes. and realize that 100%. you had a problem because you were in denial of it for a bit I think yeah right? you just hid under your clothes and well because the way the way that it kind of started was it honestly didn't even really start as anything that was super unhealthy like it started with good intentions but what I learned later on is that there's certain personality types that no matter what, because I'm really fortunate. I've had like an incredible upbringing. I had, you know, my parents were divorced my entire life, but I had a great relationship with both of them. So it was one of those things that there wasn't really anything super traumatic that happened in my life that brought that up for me. Mm. It was just, I learned later on like, oh, there's just certain people that have perfectionist personality types they're just more prone to developing an eating disorder if especially yeah. if you can have i i tend to with certain things have like an obsessive personality yeah. so the way that it kind of started out i was just freshly 16 mm. and my mom she has kind of gone through her baby. her i know i was mm. so young She's gone through her uh, – she has had her own eating issues as well. I won't, like, get into that. But she, at the time, was trying to make better lifestyle changes. So she was like, you know, I want to eat better. I want to work out more and just be more mindful of everything that I'm putting into my body and what I'm doing with my body. And I was like, fuck, yeah, I'm on board with that shit. <laughs> and I was I was always someone that I've been lucky. I've always been, like, a very active person. I've always been in good physical health. So, But I was like, you know what? I'm a teenager. 
I could be hotter. Like, <laughs> where the boys like, at? I could be hotter. Like, I, I was, mind you, at this time, I was, like, taking online classes because I did virtual school for oh, three yeah. years of high school. So I'm like, let me impress all the fucking virtual boys. Like, not not even. <laughs> like, oh, my God. I didn't even realize that you were in virtual school. I was in virtual school. I, yeah, I didn't know that school. either. Yeah. I, freshman year, I took... Um, I was in, you know, regular high school. And then mm-hmm. uh, sophomore, junior, senior year, I did dual enrollment as well as online school. Ah, okay. Um, but no, I, I'm just fucking around. It wasn't actually to impress boys. I literally was just like, oh, you know what? Like, I'm I'm, I'm a healthy person, but I could be stronger. I could be more toned. Mm-hmm. So it started out as something that was just kind of a want to do better for myself. Which is not bad. Exactly. So it started out with the best of intentions. Mm-hmm. But um, something that I learned, like, throughout this whole process is – I can have an obsessive personality. Mm. So it started out as that. That's a big thing. And then, Mm -hmm. yeah. And then it kind of turned into like, there would just be certain things that I would completely eliminate from my diet. So I like eliminated all processed foods, but not in a flexible way. It was to the point where, and you know, this obviously was something that kind of happened over time. It wasn't mm-hmm. like I just woke up one morning and was like, I'm never going to eat a Lay's potato chip again. Right. Like it, right. it was, it the, was. Rome wasn't built in the night. Ex- right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and the same was for, you know, my eating disorder. And can we just touch on some of your food sensitivities and allergies oh, and how yeah. that might have yes. aided to that? I will or, or not the only because I have I mean I'm a allergic to like most tree nuts mm. but that was kind of something that you know I've, I've always been allergic to some mm. tree nuts so it's just part um, of your life yeah. yeah so that was just like a normal thing um I was a pescatarian for a really long time I still am pretty much now right. every now and then I'll have a burger but I really don't eat a lot of meat that's just like a personal choice mm-hmm. now it's not yeah but I I don't know it just yeah I just started out and it just became really unhealthy because I just started cutting out more and more foods. Like it got to the point where I was like, oh, I can't There's eat a- regular eggs anymore. I have to just eat egg whites. Mm. But it was to the point where. Was there a phobia it, of it, you'd say? Like- yeah, well, because I think uh, it's like so hard to form everything. Like just I'm trying to like mentally go back to that place, too, because it's weird because of the place that I'm at now. I almost, yeah, I almost feel like that part of my life is kind of a blur. And I think a lot of that too, and like I know you and I have talked about this, Victoria. I think a lot of that too is just because my brain was so fucking malnourished. Um, But the way that it started out, you know, it was just, I consciously was like, okay, I'm making the choice to eliminate these foods. Mm. But then once I kept going with that, it became more of a thing where the negative part of my brain, with every decision that I would base in that voice that voice was fueled so the voice of the enemy yeah sort the of voice yeah. the voice of the eating disorder which yeah. is the voice that tells you you can't do this you're not good enough not worthy you're not worthy you're not enough you're too, you're also too much so it's like mm. this really weird mm. contradiction mm. Um, like nothing you do is right exactly a, exactly a, a, the most hypercritical voice 100 percent. and so, the opposite of that is the voice of a friend like the voice of a nurturer and a caregiver and right. cultivating that is part of the process of healing from an eating disorder because it's yeah. that voice that keeps it there so something that you chose to do out of good out of making yourself better wound up essentially being 
very, very hurtful and very negative. Destructive, yes. Yeah, it started with good intentions, but then it grew to something that if you weren't doing X, Y, and Z or not eating X, Y, and Z or not working out this many hours, you were somehow wrong, false, exactly. or n- not going to be successful. And the thing that was so traumatizing throughout that whole process was it had gotten to a point over time. I would say it developed when it got to its worst point. It developed over the course of a year. Um, and within the last, I would say, like two or three months of that period is when it got from pretty bad to like oh shit this could be serious if i don't get treatment now like i'm gonna in a few months need to be hospitalized type of thing and it was your like i said earlier your friends and your family that woke you up to it yes because mainly it was my friends uh, um these two girls my friends steph and cheyenne they've literally been like these are my fucking childhood like my Mm -hmm. rider dies straight Mm -hmm. up they were the people and my also my friend gabby um but they were the people that noticed the biggest shift in me because, you know, growing up, I never had any issues with food. I always loved food. I've always had a very healthy relationship up until that point. I always had a really healthy relationship and with food. And now you do. And now I do. But, yeah, you know, you it's do. taken time to get there. For sure. Um, but it was one of those things that I had gotten to a point where it was no longer in my control. And once I had crossed that threshold of, oh, I'm choosing to not eat these foods, it got to the point where I was like, I cannot eat these foods mm-hmm. and I want to. Right. Like if I, if I was at a party, if there was, you know, people eating yeah. cake. People are like, eat, just eat the cake. Take a bite of the cake. And I'd be like, oh, no, no, no. That's okay. I'm not going to. Oh, the arsenal and of excuses you come up with no, when you it was, eating it's disorder. No, it's insane. And then it got to the point where I would be afraid of going to social gatherings where I knew that there was going to be food because I'm like, well, fuck. I want to go to this thing. But the just the, the grief that I would have to deal with from my own mm-hmm. brain after the fact was more... Torturous. Hurtful and more torturous than it would be for me to have fun and to, enjoy your life. Exactly. And so it got to this point. I was no longer in control. And once I, I, mm. I wanted nothing more than to get back to the place that I was of before health. all of that happened. But I couldn't. And I feel like, for, forgive me if I'm wrong, that voice in your head was like, well, this is better. Yes. You don't want to go back there because yes. this you you you're better now. Yeah. Um, but you're not you're not where you could be, where you should be. You have so much more to go, but yeah. Yeah, you don't want to go back there. That's the thing, is no matter what size, shape, or point in life you're at, your voice, that voice, that specific voice is gonna get worse and worse yeah. if you don't learn how to starve it out. Like, I know. Which is ironic because you're star- you're starving your body. You're starving your body, but, but you gotta you're starve. feeding the voice. Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. No. Yeah. It's so true. It's powerful. It really is. But yeah, it was just it fueled my insecurity and my insecurity is what drove it forward. So it was mm. just like this really vicious Yeah, cycle. just this really fucking vicious cycle. And then finally um, yes. my fucking angel friends, Steph and Cheyenne, they were like, yo, you look like a lollipop. <laughs> you literally look like, and the thing that I think make it made it also helpful for me is they would kind of make light of it, but not in an offensive way. They were always like, you literally look like a bobblehead bitch. Like go to fucking, get some fucking help. This is not. Which was good for you. Exactly. Not necessarily not, good for other people. Right. No, that's some your people, type of personality. Some people, exactly. But that's the thing is like, I'm so close to them that they know that that's that's what works. That's what worked for me, mm-hmm. and they were so encouraging too. And I'm really, really lucky because finally, when you know my family, 
because the thing is, like, my mom still to this day feels really, really guilty for it because she's like, how did I not know? How did I let it get to this point? Like, she feels responsible. Mm-hmm. And I always tell her, I'm like, it's not it's not your fault. You saw me every single day. If you see, and I hid it really well. I would wear really baggy clothes. I would wear my hair down so you couldn't, like, see how skinny my neck was. I'd wear wow. really baggy sweatpants. So you were aware. So I, I was aware, but I was like, I can't get help for this because mm. that the thought of that is too scary. Wow. And I just, it was crazy because it's, like, the smaller physically that I got, the bigger that I felt. Yeah. Um, mm. which That's is some insane. body dysmorphia it's, shit. It was, mm. it, I had severe body dysmorphia. Yeah. But there was, oh, my God, I'll never forget it. There was this one moment that I saw myself in the mirror, like how I actually looked. I saw myself for what I was. And it freaked my shit out. I was like, Mm. oh my God, who is this person? Because my body type, I'm not supposed to have space between my legs. I have a very Mm. athletic build. I'm muscular. I I have muscle on my body and I, all my muscle had like faded away. I was a fucking, Mm. I was like a rail. Mm. That's not how my body is supposed to be. And that was really scary. That one moment that I saw myself in the mirror for what I actually looked like, that fucked me up. Yeah. And were you the type or during this time in your life, were you over-exercising as well as not eating? Yes. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, I would. Because I, I know you out. like you work out. I you're, do. You're, I for do. those of you who don't know Sky, she is one of the most fit person people. One of the most fit people I know. And I'm not blowing <laughs> smoke up your ass. Like I, you know this. I look up to you when it comes to fitness. You too, Victoria, with yoga mm-hmm. and fitness. But you know, you do work out regularly, yeah. but in a seemingly right. healthy way. And for that's you. that's another thing that once I had. Con- well, I'll get to that. I'm like, there's like so much <laughs> happening in my brain. I'm like, I want to say it all right now. Mm. Um. But yeah, at the time when I was, before I had entered treatment, I was working out definitely more than I should have. And on top of that, I was eating very few calories in a day. Um, But my, the way that I rationalized it in my head was I was like, well, I'm still eating, so I don't have anorexia. Mm -hmm. Because my friends would send me links online of like, this is the diagnosis, this is literally the criteria for people to be diagnosed with this mental disorder you literally fit almost every single one. And I was like, and I was like, yeah, no, it was, I'm really lucky too. Cause a lot of people that I met when I finally did go to treatment, a lot of people that I had met, you know, we would have group therapy sessions and something that a lot of people would talk about. They'd be like, Oh yeah, my friends are, they're all so skinny and they're all like on diets and blah, blah, blah. And I was lucky that I never had friends that were like, Oh my God, I can't get the cheese. I'm going cheese fries. I can't eat fries. Cause it's gonna make me fat. They'd be like, let's get the fucking extra cheese. Like yeah. my friends have always been so much about enjoying life and indulging in body positivity, yeah. even though they've also dealt with their own things, not necessarily to the extreme that I dealt with it, but I feel like every woman to some oh, yeah. degree has, oh. you know, there Almost was never human. a war that's Almost. not a Young word. adult life. And men too. I mean, really, it yeah. is, it's it's a common thing across the board. Anyone can relate to a, a slight sense of body dysmorphia mm-hmm. or just discomfort in your skin, sure. struggling yeah. with food, what to eat, what not to eat. There's so much information out there and studies and it can get overwhelming and just yeah that's your day-to-day life is having a meal and that in and of itself being so stressful yeah 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 Yeah. and as you pointed out before it is a mental disorder yes more than anything else people assume eating disorders have mostly physical attributes and while it can be that as well some people over exercise and that can be their thing but it is very much a mental disorder and almost everyone in our 
society deals with that on some degree. And so I think that that's something we all can relate to and dig yeah. deep and figure out like what it is that we struggle with and okay. how to overcome that. I love that you're eating chocolate. I know right? I'm yeah. eating, <laughs> eating that good, good, sinless boy. Um, <laughs> but no, there's like, I read this statistic. There's, and granted, this is only people that have been diagnosed. There's plenty of people that never seek the proper treatment. Because oh, yeah. another, and this was, I can see why, okay, so there's, in America, there are around 30 million people who suffer from eating disorders of some type. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> and I think there's 70 million throughout our entire world, and that's only diagnosed. But the right. thing is, there's, like, when I was going into treatment, the way that I thought about it, I when I initially was seeking treatment, I didn't do it for myself. I just did it because I was like, I just want to shut my family up. I just want to shut my friends up. I'm not actually going to gain the weight that this fucking I, – w- no. I was seeking treatment at this amazing – it's like yeah, one of the best in the world. Please tell us about it's the called, institute um, you went It's to. called Renfrew. And what's crazy? Renfrew? Renfrew. R-E-N-F-R-E-W. Florida? It was a mile from the house that I grew up in. That's amazing. Which is insane. I never knew that it existed until I obviously had to go there. Um, but I remember when the way that it kind of worked is, you know, they my mom took me to the Renfrew Center and they had someone basically take me into a room and they essentially inter- – no, it wasn't like an interview. An interview is not the, interview's not the right word. Um, assessment? It was, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was like an assessment. They would just mm-hmm. ask you questions and be like, okay, um, on a scale of one to five, five being you feel very intensely about uh, I hate my body, where would you say you lie? So just just things of that nature. Yeah. That's, um, that's a common thing in most yeah, therapy. Yeah. You'll, you'll have to take an assessment prior to exactly and, and just and rate and see where you're at on the spectrum. And in terms of your journey, you mentioned that moment in the mirror when you looked at yourself yeah. and really saw what was going on. How much time between that and going to get help was there? Ooh, um, roughly. I would say maybe a month or so so it was like the tail end of yeah it was because I had throughout that year of when it really developed I had definitely lost a noticeable amount of weight but I dropped like real like I got really low really fast towards Mm -hmm. the end so that was kind of I think when yeah when I had that moment in the mirror where I looked in the mirror and I was like oh my god this is fucking scary and I could just feel it like it was it was always like a mind fuck to me because I could feel it in my body. Like if I was sitting on a table and I put my elbows on the table, mm-hmm. I, it would hurt me because yeah. my fucking elbows were so bony. Yeah. Or if I was sitting on like a wooden bench, I'd be like, oh my God, my ass hurts yeah. because there's no cushion there. Mm-hmm. I, um, I and that was, those relate. were things I'd never felt before. So in that sense, yeah, I knew. Yeah, because you got a booty. A. Yeah, well now I do because I'm like a normal fucking person. No, I don't want to say normal person again, but I'm a, I'm a recovered person now and it's taken literally years and years and years to get to that point. But um. When I was going into treatment, I was like, I'm not sick enough to be here. And that's a very common thing. And, mm. you know, I was like, oh, I'm not even, quote unquote, good enough at my eating disorder. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's people even that are, still. there's people that are like hospitalized. Like, I'm only X, X amount of pounds. I don't, there's people who are like 10 pounds lighter than me and they're fucking six inches taller than me and they're, mm. they're alive. Like. Yeah. People, there's that there's voice just the people really, who are the incessant. best, quote yeah. unquote, at their eating disorders are the dead ones. Let's take a moment of silence for those people that did not seek the help that they needed because 
or just didn't. Fuck, am I crying now? No, it's it's really fucked up. And I'm so glad that both of you are here. Because look at all the beautiful experiences we've had together and on our own. And I fucking love you guys. (laughs) Before we started recording, we were all just like hugging each other. And then (laughs) Victoria pulls away and she just has like tears in her eyes. And I was like, ah, shit. (laughs) We know what's happening in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. But it also like eating disorders, they have the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. Because it has physical symptoms because, you know, there's so many mental disorders that are just chemically based. So it's literally, you know, like the wiring in your brain is different, which goes hand in hand with eating disorders. Even more than alcoholism, you think? Statistically, I think oh. so. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because <laughs> the thing is with alcoholism, you can be functioning. You're functioning still. But with an eating disorder, like your body your literally body is not getting the nutrients. It destroys it's, itself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so. just like anything, it depends on the person and the, 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 the level type, of intensity. The type of eating disorder. Yeah. Yeah. Or alcoholism. For example, but yeah, and you struggled with anorexia for how long? Would you say we were in the institution Ooh. for? Well, I was in. So when I first entered treatment, I was in what they call mm. intensive outpatient treatment, um, and what that meant was I would go to the Renfrew Center three times a week, um, and the way that each day would go, it was essentially the same setup, but we would have different group sessions. So I'd go there, I'd have a group therapy session. We would all eat a meal together, and then we would have another group therapy session. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I would meet with a nutritionist once a week and uh, my own personal therapist with, like, a one-on-one session once a week. Mm. So I was in treatment. And there were some days that, you know, I would have, like, the group therapy meal, group therapy, and then I'd have my own therapy session. Mm-hmm. So on average, I was being treated anywhere from, like, three to four, maybe five days a week. Mm. And if I was having a really rough week, I'd be like, hey – my, my therapist's name was Anika. She was amazing. I'd be like, hey, Anika, I would love to see you, like, for another session this week. Like, I'm having a hard time. And so she would, you know, be a, if she was able to, she'd fit me in for a second session. Oh, my God. I'm going to, like, get emotional now because I remember, like, when I was on my last day of treatment, I felt, you know, I was still struggling. But, like, I felt much better. Like, I was able, I had, like, gained the weight that they wanted me to. And it was still a struggle, but, like, I was doing it. And she was leaving to go. Uh, her husband was in the military, so she had to relocate. And I just, like, went over to her and I was like, thanks for, like, saving me. <laughs> like, she was amazing. Because she was able to just understand, like, where I was coming from. And, you know, obviously she was trained specifically to specialize in eating disorders, but... She never made me feel judged for anything, and she just was able to help me rationalize the fucking crazy-ass voice that was like, you're a piece of shit (laughs) in your head all the time. Um, But no, I I don't think about her as much as I used to, just because honestly, I'm at the point where I forget that that was a part of my life. Like, it's not really something that I talk about a lot now, not because I'm embarrassed about it, but just because it doesn't, it just feels kind of irrelevant at this point in my life, which is um, fucking awesome. You're um, so fortunate to yeah. have had <laughs> Dude, I know. that help and and to have to come out and say you are recovered. That's amazing. Yeah, and like that's fantastic. Oh, it's taken time. Oh yeah. my god. Because even like once the intensive outpatient treatment was done, I did that for 
probably six months. And then for the six months following the intensive outpatient, I would meet with a different therapist because my original one had, you know, gone away. Mm. Uh, I'd meet with a different therapist like once a week, once every other week, just to stay on track. Yeah, and rinse and repeat. Exactly. Um, so that was something that was helpful. And therapy definitely helped me with the logistics of everything and like giving me tools to cope. And tools are everything. But the thing that really helped me the most was my friends. Yeah. My friends and my family, like both everyone in my family was so supportive. And like, I'm gonna fucking cry again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like my grandfather paid for my treatment, like spent literally thousands of dollars, which I literally owe him my life. Yeah. For that. And I'm fortunate that I have a grandfather that did very, very well in business. So he was like, I got money to blow out my fucking sick grandchild. <laughs> like, here you go, Sky. Um, but you actually yeah. took it and, and you did it. Yeah. You know what you I mean? You put in the effort that was required of you because you could have gone in there and some people are in those treatment facilities for years. I know. Years, oh, my God. I, my heart is with them because there's that the willpower it takes to hate yourself so much. <laughs> yeah. And that's a, I mean, that's, it, we laugh, but it is a yeah. serious subject. And that's where suicidal starts to come into play. And yeah. I, I, it's, mental illness is one of the leading problems in this country, in, in this world. world. Yeah. It's a huge wound. And we don't pay enough attention to it as far as, yeah the help that is offered. And I'm very fortunate for my friends, especially that have dealt with intense mental disorders, eating disorders. And while we said earlier, we all kind of have our own experiences with that, you know, it's, it's a topic of conversation right now. And as we were talking in our about us episode, yoga is now this like new buzz that mm, we were saying right. like, thank goodness, because that's for the betterment of each yeah. of us and, and ultimately for the betterment of mankind. So I think that these conversations and, and these topics being more mainstream, if you will, is, is only going to help us in, in the future and it's devastating for the world to see all these celebrities that we lose to mental disorders we don't even know like the gist of of what specific disorder they have whether it's just depression or eating disorders we don't know and as devastating as it is for us to see people that we admire go through it i think it brings awareness to the fact that if these people who seemingly have it made and have all the money and the success but still and still struggle, struggle. Yeah. it shows that that is definitely There's, happening yeah, in, in everyday life, you know? And you never prevalent. you never know what someone's struggling with. Sky, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you guys for you, is there, allowing me to. Is there something that you'd like to to recap? Like, what's the main thing you took away from from that recovery process like Mm. years later now like what Uh, what would you say what advice would you give to someone who's in that place that you were in so long ago or to yourself Um, yeah wow would you say to baby sky Mm -hmm. (laughs) say girl you got a a long way to go (laughs) i I, I would hug her and then i'd be like you're gonna be just fine have a support system is Mm. the number one Mm. thing 
So surrounding yourself with people that are going to help you. They're not going to hurt you. And mm. that want to help you. Exactly. Mm. People who genuinely want to help you for no other reason than they want you to be okay and they want you to feel better. That was my number one thing and that 100% is why I'm at the place that I'm at today is because of the support system that I had. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there are people who aren't fortunate, fortunate enough, enough to, have. to have that. So I would say for those who don't, um, I'm only speaking from a hypothetical place just because I, you know, have not been in that place. But just trusting the, just trusting the, the positive voice in your head. And whenever mm-hmm. that, you know, you get to a point, you know, the difference between the sane voice and the dark voice. Yeah. And the, and the more you feed the dark voice, the louder mm-hmm. that it gets. And it just sends you down that whole path. Yeah. But also, you know, accepting that. If you take a step back, because freshman year of college, I had not like a full relapse, but I I went through a little bit of a down. I don't even want to call it downward spiral, but I went through a little phase where it was I wasn't I was kind of getting back a little bit into some unhealthy habits, mm. and um, yeah, just accepting that that's going to happen mm. and that's okay. Just don't let it get to the point that it was at before. Like, do everything that you can within your physical and mental power to... To get back on the Yeah, to either, like, reach out to people. Or there's, especially at colleges, like, if there's anyone who's listening who's in school in college, pretty much every college... Yeah, Yeah. pretty much every college campus, they either have a few free therapy sessions, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, that can... There's there can be some issues with that, but it's you you know it's better than nothing. And not only that, but there's a lot of eating disorder recovery groups that you can go to and you can meet. I will plug really quick. um, OA.org is OvereatersAnonymous.org, and if you are struggling with any sort of eating disorder at all, you are welcome in this space. It's not necessarily for everyone, but it is something you can try, and it's free help, and it's. it's a support system. It's a place that you can go to. There's meetups in cities all across the world. Mm-hmm. And you go and you share and you, you don't even have to. It's very helpful to share, but you listen to them. And it is like the 12-step AA program. So you do have mm-hmm. to like be in that environment. But honestly, I've gone to many out here in Los Angeles, especially wow. at the beginning when I first was really... I struggled so hard mm-hmm. when I first came out here. And... I didn't have really anyone that, that like I at least I felt like I didn't and mm. so I would go and I would I would sit in these meetings and no matter how uncomfortable they made me feel I always left feeling a little bit more stable a little That's bit more beautiful. capable a little bit stronger yeah and, and if you are listening to this podcast you are abundant in the sense that you have internet you have technology at your fingertips like, what is it called again? OA.org. OA.org. There are many, many platforms where you can connect with and reach out to people yeah. who are still struggling, have recovered, you know, and, and that is very powerful. And that gives you a sense of community if you do not have the support system that you deserve. Sky, what were some other tools that you really took away from your treatment? Do you remember, um, remember any books, any mantras, any things at eating time? Um, something that helped me 
when I was early on in my recovery was eating with somebody that I was close to. Mm. So eating a meal with another person. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were literally, like, earlier on when I was starting to eat normally again, my body was getting back to its healthy place, but my mind was still in the place where it was, you know, when I was first entering treatment. And so there would literally be times that I would be, like, sitting at dinner and I would just start crying and I'd be like, this is fucking pathetic. I'm crying at a fucking sweet potato right now. Like, I'm literally Mm. looking at a sweet potato and I'm crying, and there are people who don't have enough food to eat. And I this just is... like to say that it's not pathetic, you know? right? Oh no, you, I no. know. Of course, now but, I know yeah, that. But yeah. you know, you feel there's like there was a part of me that just felt really guilty for feeling that. I'm like, oh my god, I have all these amazing things in my life, and like, what the fuck? This is insane. It's sad. Um, it, it is sad. But that was something that helped me a lot was eating with people. Um, but, like, people that I'm very close to because it can be anxiety-provoking if you're in a group of people that you're not very comfortable because when you're in that place early on in recovery, you're like, oh, my God, they're going to judge me for the amount that I'm eating. They're going to think I'm eating too slow. They're going to think I'm eating too fast. They're going to think I'm eating too much. You're not enough. So it's just all – it's just, like, mayhem in the brain. So I think, you know, taking it easy but also recognizing that you got to fucking suck it up and you got to sometimes push yourself and be like, fuck it, you know what? Okay, I had my breakfast with my mom or whoever or my best friend. I I got invited to this dinner thing with a group of people. I'm going to fucking go. Mm. Because if you don't put yourself in that situation where you're uncomfortable, it's never going to become comfortable. Right. And that just is across the board in life, but especially when you're trying to recover and heal yourself. You have to struggle. You have to go through those lows. You have to experience the pain because like a butterfly, like Mm -hmm. that transformation from a caterpillar to a butterfly is supposed to be excruciatingly painful. It was, yo. (laughs) And that's the whole thing is like if you cut open the cocoon with some scissors before it's ready, you'll have a butterfly that comes out dead. Like it's not going to be ready. So you have to go through that transformative process, that painful process in order to come out healed and full and even somewhat of a functioning adult in society straight up now was there a moment you know during recovery or once you felt like you were yourself again that you looked in the mirror and you were proud and you felt like yourself again i'm trying to think of like the first one that i had um because for a while even i would say earlier on in college it was still i was at the place where I, if, if the neg, there were still more negative thoughts there than there are now. Like now they're pretty few and far between. But um, that's normal. Yeah. As a exactly. human. Exactly. Existing that's, in that's this just, planet. That's exactly. <laughs> in this multiverse. That's literally the human experience. Sure. You know, it's like yeah. part of the things that, one of the things that makes us human. Sure. Um, but no, I would say in college, I had finally gotten to the point where I knew, okay, this is what I need to be doing to be my healthiest self. And there'd be sometimes when I'd look in the mirror and be like, fuck, I, I, I look, there's too much of this here. There's not enough of that there. Yeah. Mm, but then I would kind of say, "That's relatable. do you want to get back to that place where you were mentally, where you weren't enjoying your life and you weren't enjoying food? Or do you want to live for a long time so you can experience everything that you want to do in your life? So I kind of, and it took time. Like when mm-hmm. I first started shifting my mentality to focus on the way that I felt and the things that my body does for me rather than how it looks. Mm. That was, I think, when things really started to change for the best for me. But at first, I was like, oh, yeah, wow, my body does so much for me. It still fucking looks like shit. Mm. Like, yeah. 
But it's, it, and I felt like a little bit of a phony, you know, saying all these affirmations to myself every day because I'm like, I don't fucking believe them. What with, sort of affirmations would you just say? Just like, I don't remember specifically what they were, but they were probably something along the lines of like, I am beautiful, I am strong, mm-hmm. I'm enough, mm-hmm. which... But then at some point they did land. Yeah. And you did feel that. And I think that that kind of came into play. <sighs> I would say my junior year of college because I had gotten to the point where I felt like I was in a mentally stable place and I was able to eat the things that I enjoyed while also being really, really healthy. Just having a balance of like yeah. you eat your fucking kale salad, but you also go and eat a if cake. you eat meat, you go and have a burger. <laughs> yeah. you, you like. It's, it's not, not it's not gonna kill you and yeah. it's good for the soul that's Maybe really like interesting it. that you say that it was your junior year because i'm thinking back to my super senior year and i believe that was your junior year yeah and ironically enough sky and i did not meet in college we wound up having a tap class together my <laughs> last semester but we met in downtown orlando Sky would go and bring her mat out to Lake Eola on Sundays and do yoga and then dance her way over to where I was working, making smoothies at Raw Juicing and Detox. Plug. (laughs) Um, And that's that's where we met. And so that's what I was going to kind of transition over back to our brand. Metaphysical wellness is a big part of your life. That's where the three of us really connect. We're all into that kind of lifestyle. But would you say that you got involved in that type of lifestyle during your recovery or was that something that was always implemented in your life and just stronger later on I would say yeah it was it was something that I became more conscious of once I was a little further along in my recovery because I realized wow having your physical health if if it's within your power make that happen if that's mm-hmm. something that you have the means to do focus on making sure that you're feeding your body and your soul everything that it needs to allow you to live a full life. I don't even want to say like your best, well, yeah, your best life, but you know, life is filled with its its ups and downs Mm -hmm. and everything, but just fuel yourself with everything that you can to experience everything as fully as you can. And yeah, I mean, highs and lows in life, you still are always trying to do your best. Yeah. So yeah, living your best life is definitely appropriate. Yeah. (laughs) No, for sure. But I think that now I've gotten to a point where it's it's like it's been cool but like weird talking about everything because I don't usually like I said earlier I don't really think about it much because I'm at a place now where it's like I can kind of eat whatever and I don't really feel I don't like feel guilt for shit that I eat or I don't really like limit myself or restrict myself. That's amazing. You know just because I I'm happy with where my body is and more so I just no matter how fucking horribly you treat your body, it's still there for you. Yeah. Your body loves you unconditionally. And if this is the physical body that I get in this life, that's fucking awesome. Like, my legs are... Thank you. So beautiful. You guys are beautiful, too. Your legs are beautiful. Whatever you're looking for, are beautiful. <laughs> your split in hair is beautiful. I don't know if you have split in. It looks great. Thanks, man. But everything's um, beautiful. Yeah, no, it, but it's like, I don't know, just shifting the focus and thinking, 
just thinking about everything that my body allows me to do. Like mm-hmm. one of my favorite things to do is to be outside mm-hmm. and to be out in nature. And if it wasn't for the way that I treat my body and the way that I keep it in shape. And the thing is, I do it. I do all the reason that I work out. It's not to look a certain way. It's to feel better. Like the fact that I look strong is like a cool perk. But it's just the way that I feel. Because, you know, when Isaac's parents were in town, I didn't, like, work out as much as I normally do. And that was fine. Like, sometimes it's nice to take a break For away sure. from the normal routine. But also in that time that I kind of took off, I can feel that my body feels a little different. I don't quite have as much energy as I normally do when I'm, like, going to the gym regularly mm. or going on hikes regularly. Mm. So it's more so just I do it because it fucking feels good. Yep. And it's something that I know feels good. And not only that, it's good for me. Yes. Victoria, (laughs) if you feel like you want to share your journey. I would love to. Yeah. Um, Begin at the beginning, I suppose. (laughs) Start from the top. Um, So my my experience with eating disorders started like in college. Um, So yeah, young adult. I think it's, I mean, they can start as early as like 11, but... Mm -hmm. Or younger. Actually, I will say there was there was something when I was like seven years old. So my mother struggled with eating disorders mm. as well, and she was big in the church. My father was a pastor. Speaking of <laughs> metaphysical spirituality, well, I grew up Christian, and that was that was intense. Whenever I would have a lecture, it would be scripture. So wow. that's I, my life was in the church. So she would bring home women from the church that were struggling with anorexia Mm. because she struggled for 16 years. Yeah. She struggled from the time she was 16, like to when she had my sister. Yeah. And, um, she had every type of eating disorder you can imagine. And now me too. No, (laughs) No. I mean, that's common. A lot of kids, especially girls, they look at how their mother's relationship with food is Mm -hmm. and their body and their body image. I will say she didn't have a bad relationship with food growing up. I I was fortunate to see her be very healthy around food and she had a Mm. healthy mentality around food. And I, I don't even think it was an example, but I do remember if anything, this, what I was referring to the women that she would bring home from the church, they were bones. They were pure bones. I remember specifically one woman, she went into my bathroom and she asked me if I had a hairdryer and I was about seven or eight. And I remember seeing her and being scared of her. And she asked if I had a hairdryer in my head. This little kid is thinking, don't touch my stuff. Mm. (laughs) You, You look so sick. I'm scared I'm going to get sick wow. because of how sick you are. Yeah. And, you, you know, that was just child response. Right. But that's how impactful it was for me. I will never forget that. I will never forget how she looked and how she looked when she was blow-drying her hair that she didn't have because mm. it was falling out. And she, was, she wasn't even blow-drying her hair. She was using the blow-dryer on her body to, to keep up. it warm. Oh, and that was just something she did. She went to the bathroom and she saw me and she was like, do you have a blow dryer? And I was like, yeah. But like also, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. So that was my first, very first experience. And that that's beautiful that your mom was bringing these people yeah. in to share her her success and recovery and, and aid these women. She really, she did. She wanted to help. And I really admired that. And I didn't really understand it at the time. Right. But now... 
going through what I go through, it's it's beautiful to see that like you know she she did have some some good moments there. You know, of course. <laughs> yeah. My my mother is um, schizoaffective. Today she is bipolar and schizophrenic at the same time. So she she definitely has some mental stuff that she struggles with. She's she's caused some problems in my family, some turmoil, but she wasn't all bad always. And even not. today, she she does do the work it takes to get better. And I mean, look at you. You're a beautiful human being, and like she is part of that. Mm. You know, you are part of her. I love you, Victoria. I love you too. <laughs> so yeah, in college. I wanted to be an actress. <laughs> I got my BFA in acting, like these two lovely ladies as well. Well, musical theater for you, Danielle. And we were all, you know, seeing each other in leotards all the time. We were in black clothing and movement class, and we were analyzing our body and our types and looking closely at every inch of our outer and our inner, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that's when I started to become really aware. I also started, and I, you know, triggers, whatever. I started to date a man who wasn't necessarily a large man and I'm a tall woman. And when I started that relationship, it didn't, I would, it wasn't the reason, but it didn't necessarily help, mm-hmm. you know, to yes. feel like I wasn't like I was a kind like, I don't know. I, it was just part of the sickness was, right. you know, I wasn't confident in myself. I wasn't confident in my body. So right. of course, outside forces were the problem. Like it was like, well, you're not, you know, yeah. like, and I'm that's not. society's way of, of, totally. of showing us through media what and we're everything. supposed to look like. Right. We're supposed to be the small, innocent, like feminine women who are helpless and the man's supposed to be big and strong. Don't take up too much space. Right. Right. Sickness. Sickness. So that, the acting, seeing a lot of people told me I looked like Nina Dobrev growing up and Mm -hmm. I still get that to this day where, and I would look up her and her diet and try to see what she was doing because I wanted to be successful in this industry. I wanted Mm -hmm. to be doing the things that the people that were successful are doing. And it wasn't that she was super restrictive, but she would talk about carbs or I would look up other celebrities and they would talk about their diets and their extreme. So I was getting a little too invested in, you know, it started from a good mental place. Like you said, yeah. it always starts. I think it does. I think it always starts with good intentions, just wanting to be a better version of yourself. Right. Cause why, why else would you go down that path? Exactly. Like you're not, I want an eating disorder. I yeah. want to <laughs> potentially like a- harm myself to no, no betterment. A hundred percent. And that's another like Hold your thought because I don't want you to forget yeah, it. For sure. But that's a very common misconception that I think a lot of people have is they're like, oh, people who have eating disorders, they just, they, it's a choice yeah. and they just want to be skinny. They're just doing it for attention. But it's like, that's <sighs> really not true. It often doesn't even come from a place of, oh, I want to look a certain way. It's more so like you can have a personality that's yeah. predisposition or a lot of the times it's also genetic yeah. or it comes from your environment. There's so many factors that play into it. I definitely agree with the obsessive sort of personality that yeah. I can have a tendency to go yeah. hard <laughs> in, the, in the paint. <laughs> yeah. Just, just yeah. to the extremes. The pendulum swings way one direction or way the other. Black yes. and white, there's no in between. Like right. It's like you either are perfect and skinny and beautiful or you are wrong. Which was the disbelief, well, the belief I created for myself. Yeah. I'm in disbelief now that that's what I believe. But, you know, you're young. When you're young, it's really hard. No one gives you a roadmap. You're away from your family. You're away from a stable eating environment. And I just didn't really have 
proper knowledge or information or guidance as to the security mm. in food. And so when I started to get into all that, I, I cut out all types of food. I cut out carbs for an entire summer. I would, I was working at Mardi Gras Universal where my stomach was showed off. That also really, it was all at the same time. I, Gypsy. Yeah, it was my, fr- yeah, it was my freshman that. year. I was the Indian princess oh, is what it was. That, yeah. that you're right. And That's they also, New Year's Eve, they put me out in the streets in the freaking wet cold of Florida. Oh, I was in a bikini. And they like painted my body in neon glow paint. Don't get me wrong, great times, but (laughs) super fun. But also, it just made me hyper aware. Yes, very hyper aware. Fittings, people measuring me, getting my weight. I was in shows, and you'd constantly have to be on top of it. You, you, if you gained weight, they would say something. Yeah. If you lost weight, they would say something. Yeah. It's you're just on display in that regard, where like your body is constantly being seen and what a great way to enter an audition (laughs) getting right up on that scale and either hating that number or or not if you're lucky and and then going away myself yeah and then going into the audition where you have to be like on (laughs) yeah it's definitely a journey to become healthy with that Mm -hmm. i still don't weigh myself to this day sky doesn't weigh herself i haven't in like five years i just maybe even more i don't think you need to know how much you weigh certainly if you're in obesity and you're trying to develop a path like that can really show some progress but i i don't think that it's necessary yeah Um, it's literally just how gravity is affecting you literally Literally, it's your fucking relationship gravity someone can obsess over gaining a pound and then someone in Europe can obsess over gaining a kilo. And those are two totally different measurements. Yeah. But like because they have been validated by that measurement, now they hate themselves. Oh you know God, what I'm saying? Yes. It's so it's such And same with measurements and everything too. Honestly, what I've come to terms with, and I can talk a little bit about my journey later, I definitely wasn't on even close to the spectrum that Sky and Victoria were. But it's still valuable what you have to say. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um yeah, it's all about how you feel. And and my mom used to drill that into my head, which was really beautiful because there there were some times where, you know, she would commend me for losing weight or be like, yeah, you know, you, you definitely, you know, have That's... room to grow. And she was very generous and, and kind, but, you know, just instilling that, oh, you've lost weight. Good job. Mm. That came from such a good place. But of course, you know, if I wasn't at that weight, Sometimes I'd be like, oh, God, you know, but she was always very, very firm in instilling. It's about how you feel. The number in your pant size does not matter because clothes are made differently. And and, you know, it's all about how you feel about yourself and how you feel in your clothes and how you feel, you know, walking this earth. And I am really grateful that that was, you know, our our relationship with each other and with with food and our bodies and and whatnot. So I'm glad that you bring that up that. Sometimes you would feel encouraged to be losing mm-hmm. the weight you were losing. Um, I remember when I was starting to lose a significant amount of weight, and it wasn't like I needed to really lose a whole no, bunch of weight, no. you know, but I started to, I dropped lots in the course of seven months. Mm. I started to work at a um, place where I was serving poolside. I was doing about 12 miles a day at that, working. And like I walking? wouldn't eat. Yeah, walking because mm-hmm. I was walking. I was serving five different pools. Yeah, yeah. At a at a swan, the Swan and Dolphin Resort in Disney property. Ah, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was the pool server, so I would be I like, never knew that. yeah, and I would be get. I would be. I wouldn't know that I was docking about twelve miles, but the guy that trained me, he had the watch, and he was like, yeah, I do on average like ten to thirteen miles a day here. So, <laughs> I oh my in God. my brain at the time, I was like, yes, 
Right. Right. And then in addition to that, I would wake up early or after work, I would run five or six miles. Yeah, I'd had some serious joint issues. So, um, thank God for yoga. Yeah, thank God. That's a big part of my journey too. So, sorry. No. <laughs> Just thinking back to like how adamant I was on myself about getting in those five or six miles, and if I didn't, even if I had worked that day and walked thirteen miles, I would, I would still run. And if I didn't, I felt like a failure and mm. and I would run from my car to work because I had to park separate from the like on a hotel site and I'd, I'd run from my car to work and I would run from work back to my car I was making myself miserable I was torturing myself because I said every moment you're alive you need to be losing weight and it was so extreme and I got, I got down to a very, very small size where I had a moment that you did where like I would look in the mirror and like I would be like, it's still not enough. It's still not enough. And then one day I woke up and I was a size zero and I'm 5'9". Yeah. <laughs> and like that just doesn't vibe with, vibe with me. Like I'm on the same level as you. I'm muscular. I'm strong. I have Polish roots in me. Like I, I'm Italian. I'm supposed <laughs> to be curvy yeah, and alive yeah. and and. Foundation. Yeah, bubbly, and I'm supposed to take up space, and I'm supposed to have a presence. But we like, all are supposed to take up yeah. space. For anyone who's listening that feels like you do not deserve to take up space, you do. That's yeah. what we're here for. Take up as much space as possible. All the space. <laughs> Man spread, lady spread. Yes. <laughs> but don't do it on trains and buses, so, please. Be considerate. <laughs> <laughs> and airplanes. <laughs> we're digressing. Yeah, but... Oh, I deleted carbs from my diet for a period of time. And oh, then no. and then I shifted into, so sophomore year rolled around and I shifted into a, well, I want to be fit, not just skinny. Like I want to, I want to make something better. Like I want to do something even more that's better. And like I, I, I knew that there was a, a negativity to what I was doing. So I was like, well, let's go to a yoga class. And I tried it out and I started to get really into yoga. And then veganism popped from that. Mm. And I thought that I was healing because I was like, okay, I'm, I'm no longer restricting myself. I'm eating healthy carbs, brown rice. I'm, I'm doing this stuff. And um, then, it, it, then it went even further extreme because I was restricting so much other mm. stuff. I was restricting things that I thought were good to restrict and are on some levels. Like you don't want to eat so much dairy if it's causing you like digestive issues mm-hmm. or skin issues and I struggle with acne and eczema and those are things that can be triggered by dairy. So there's definitely benefits to lowering your animal intake and it's good for the environment. It's good for your psyche. There's hormones in meat and there's hormones in dairy. And I totally understand. But for me, that intense obsessive personality type came into play again mm, yeah. and I went so extreme. And if I, even thought about eating something that was animal-based or if I even had a little bit of cheese in something or if I had a carb when I was restricting carbs, it was the end of the world. The rest of my night was ruined. The rest of my day was ruined. I wouldn't go to parties and eat anything. I would make up excuses. I'd be like, oh, no, I'm not hungry. I'm not full. Um, My boyfriend's family at the time, they would comment it. They would would not be a healthy support system because they just didn't understand of course, they're they're very old. His parents were very old, so 
when they would see me not eating, they would just like call me out, like straight up, like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you doing this? Like, eat something, just eat something. And Why for you, me? that was not, that it was, was not the exact so opposite more, thing. More of a spotlight on you. Right. It made me feel, he, he would be like, what's a vegan? Why are you being a vegan? And like, just all these weird things where it was extremely triggering, triggering at the time because yeah, right. I just didn't have any help or any support or any roadmap because I wasn't hiding with it for sure. Yeah. And again, the outside world thought that I was doing amazing Ugh. because I was getting cast at my local, at my college in the roles that I auditioned for. And I was getting skinnier and therefore prettier to the outside eye. And that was something that my friends were like, you look amazing. My professors commented on me and just like it, the more skinny I got, the more validation I got, the, mm. the more weight I lost, the better I did in my program. And I, the better I felt on my yoga mat because I was like, I, I would spend my yoga practice started to go from something that was healthy and beneficial into something that was an hour of me analyzing my body mm. and looking at the space between my thighs and looking at my body compared to the other women's bodies around me. And I think that yoga can do that on some level. Yeah. It can be somewhat of a negative body image situation and, and it again, all depends on the space too. It depends on, depends on the space, the teacher, the perspective, yeah. what type of class it is. And no matter what, something can be triggering when you're yeah, in that headspace. For sure. Anything can be triggering. And it developed over the course of two years. The anorexia turned into binge eating because I had been restricting for so, so long that my body revolted and it would overeat at night. And then the overeating turned into bulimia. And that's when things really started to get dark because I was going through a 300 hour yoga teacher training and every single day I was making myself vomit maybe three or four times a day. I would go to class and if I felt like I ate too much the night before or if I felt like I wasn't like I wouldn't be present in class like I would just be focusing on what am I going to eat next what am I not going to eat next what am I doing it became literally my entire stream of consciousness was what food was happening in and around my body like if I saw food next to me like there would be little events or like people would bring in food to the the PAC or performing arts center Mm -hmm. I would have to distance myself from it because it was just so effective. Like my awareness wasn't on the conversation, it was on the food. And there would be multiple, I I felt so bad for my boyfriend at the time because every single night I would be in the bathroom making myself vomit. And if you're out there and you know someone that is struggling with an eating disorder, especially something so serious like bulimia that can really, really fuck you up fast. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'll, I'll get into what the side effects of that were in a second. But <sighs> I just have to take a breath. It's okay. I really felt for him. I really felt like not only I was fucking myself up, but I was also fucking him up too. And I do believe that on some level, like, I did... And forgiveness is the biggest part of recovery for me. Forgiving myself for what I did to myself and what I did to other people, especially people that were so close to me and would witness it. I remember the first time I told my friends, because this had been going on for about 
eight or nine months where I was making myself vomit. And the first time I told my friends I was in Sydney's apartment and it was her and Danielle Miller and um, Brie and Emilio. And I finally said something after months and months of purging of dissatisfaction. I finally said something. And they were so, they were so supportive. And I didn't think that I was worthy of that. I didn't think that uh, that they would accept me for that because I was believed to be so perfect. Like, I remember Bree saying, I would never have guessed that you were struggling like that because I just thought that everything was fine for you and that you were the best that you could ever be. And... And here I am, like, with a bleeding esophagus <laughs> and the worst mental state. And I would still have to put on a smile and get on stage and do my thing. Yeah. A lot of strength and courage. Here I am. <laughs> it was, it was, it was definitely hard. And I really, I really feel for you if you're out there and you're still struggling. Because uh, it's no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what dark place you're in, you can feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And there is. It, <laughs> I can tell you there is. It will never be perfect. You will never be perfect. So let go of that now. <laughs> <laughs> like Sky's shirt right now says, perfectly perfect. Yeah, I That's love that I you showed today. up in I was that. like, this is the most fitting thing. <laughs> it's covered in your tears. tears and, snot. <laughs> and chocolate. My eyes are dripping. My nose is dripping. <laughs> <laughs> and we're still fucking beautiful. All Amen. of us. But my friends, yeah, they were so supportive that day. And that's when I decided that I think I need to seek help. And I went to, thank God I was in school at the time because I couldn't afford it today. But I went to the therapy there, the talk therapy. And once they heard that I was bulimic, they it, that's like a red flag mm -hmm. and they have to get me extra help. So they got me a nutritionist and they got me a psychiatrist and this was all in the school. And so this was my senior mm -hmm. year of school. So the first three years were like the buildup of my, of my eating disorders. And then that junior year was the peak. And I got out of the relationship because I knew I was just hurting both of us and it was toxic no matter what. And we needed to grow apart and heal on our own because, I mean... Everyone struggles with their own thing, and he struggled 100%. in his own way. And I hate to be putting that on blast for the people that know us and know our relationship, but it's just a part of my story. And um, and I still have love for that entire experience. I, I never regret it, and I hope that, you know, the people in your life, if you are struggling, I hope that they understand that you're going through something. And no matter what you do, what you say, how you behave during that time, it doesn't excuse those actions and you still are held accountable for them and you're still responsible for them, yes. but you have to forgive yourself. Yes. And if the people around you aren't forgiving you, you have to part ways. Yeah. Um, and, and, and if they are forgiving you, hold them close. Yeah. <laughs> so then I started to get some serious help and they were checking my blood constantly and they were giving me exams. I was going to one of those doctors a week. So it would be like 
one doctor a week, the nutritionist the next week, then the therapist, and then the psychiatrist, and then reverse it and flip it over again. And that was the end of my senior year. And I started to really find some help through that. And teaching yoga helped me. And I, was, I got to be vulnerable about my experience through teaching yoga and sharing that in my classes. Um, and I remember when I did NIDA, National Eating Disorder Awareness Week, we we do something special. We would just be wearing purple for it, or we would just be having an awareness for it as yoga teachers. And I remember the one time I really was vulnerable about it, and I, w- I had just been freshly like stopped binging and purging. And um, it, it was like I wasn't even totally recovered because I'd, I'd still had some relapses after that. But like I remember being vulnerable, and I had about five girls, one guy come up to me after class and just cry with me. Like we all just cried because we understood and we saw each mm-hmm. other and we were there. And that was so incredibly healing. And I encourage you to reach out to your community. Um, if you struggle with anything, reach yeah. out, be vulnerable, be open. It's the only way that you heal. Go. I think we said this in our first podcast or, or maybe we didn't, but the way out is in yes. and you have to open the band-aid to heal the wound. You have to air out the wound. Yeah. You have to you have to expose the wound in order for it to heal. Yeah. Um Yeah. There there would be days where I was so that that voice that you talk about, Sky, that negative voice was so strong and so prevalent that I would I would throw up like eight times, ten times oh. in one day. There was nothing even there. It was just the feeling of gagging, the feeling of getting it up. And you know what that, all of that ended up giving me? I had seven cavities that I had I had to get a root canal because uh, the acid from my stomachs kept coming up and destroying my teeth. Um, my esophagus was bleeding. I had ulcers in my mouth. I mean, just absolutely disgusting, sickening stuff. If I had kept going, I would have died. My stomach would have killed me. I mean, it was just so inflamed. To this day, I have acid reflux because of it. And, um, yeah, and, you know, and even this is, I'm going to share this because it's, it's such a convoluted mentality, but like when I was vomiting, I was activating my abdominum so much that it was actually giving me really nice abs. <laughs> that's, so, Which, that's so like fucking it's twisted. So it's twisted. so fucking and twisted. And it made me happy. Like the feeling of that. And I'm so sorry if this is a trigger for anyone. Again, like we said, trigger warning. But I just have to, I have to be vulnerable and yeah. open right now because this is the episode where we do that. And thank God now I have, I've been purge free for a year and like three months. Did you have Victoria? <laughs> like real shit. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. I love both of you. <laughs> I wish you were. Close. I know. I'm like across the room. <laughs> Danielle's like sitting. Here. Victoria and I are like hands, hands reach apart. But Danielle's like, because I want to see your beautiful yeah. face. No, I know. <laughs> and look at your life now, Victoria. You moved across the fucking country. You have a. I mean, I'm biased because I'm part of it. But you have an amazing support system and group of friends. And I and I'm speaking like at like to you guys for for me in my life like. We're so fucking lucky in terms of like our our little family that we've cultivated and it keeps growing and 
like anything that you do, Victoria, you have us. Um, if if and I hope this does not happen for either of you. If you relapse, yeah. we're here. Right. Yeah. We will help you. Mm. And that that right there, you saying that that's so important to hear as someone that's recovering from an eating disorder is that you're still seen, you're still accepted, yes. you're still nurtured, no matter what happens, what comes back up, because ultimately it's a part of you. Yeah. And embracing it is a big part of the healing process. Absolutely. And it's what makes you you. Yeah. yeah. And if the people around you can't recognize that and can't see that and can't own own that with you, yeah, you got to get rid of them. Awesome. <laughs> yes. That's, awesome. Just, that's just toxic. Yeah. And you know what? The best stories show perseverance and resilience and strength. Mm. And whether that's, you know, recovering from a mental disorder, eating disorder, or just something crazy that happens in your life, like people gravitate towards people who can go through that mm. and come out stronger. Mm-hmm. And and that level of connection that you provide for people is just so beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, because people can see you and feel like they, they know you because you've been willing to share what, what you are, who yeah. you are, yeah, yeah. I wholeheartedly agree with that. You're you're free to be yourself after you let yourself air out. In that sense, that yeah, you're free to be yourself after you let yourself be free. Exactly. Yeah. You have to set yourself free, and it's a choice for sure. I, no matter what sort of mental thing you struggle with, it is it does boil just it boils down to brain over whatever you struggle with yeah. it is a choice and I hate I hate to, to put it in those terms but you have to choose yourself you have to choose yeah. love you have to choose openness and vulnerability every single day it's mm-hmm. an every single day thing you can't think of it as I'll be better tomorrow because no 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 <laughs> excuse me no. <laughs> no 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 tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow we'll keep cut creeps in this petty pace from day to day no I'm just kidding <laughs> but I mean really tomorrow will come again and again and again and you know on the flip side tomorrow might not come yeah yeah you know exactly. and and you know we we can't live in fear of that, mm. but that does creep up on me. I'm speaking for myself. Anxiety, for but sure. yeah, and that's you know a whole other mental mm-hmm. thing that we deal with. But you know, tomorrow is not promised. So do you want to yeah. live this as your last day, feeling that way about yourself right. and not putting effort in to make yourself whole again? Yeah. Because even if today is your last day and you're struggling, but you're you're trying. You do the be- that's. I can't stress that enough is that you do the best that you can no matter where you're at. Mm-hmm. Even those days that I was vomiting nine or ten times, I was doing the best that I could. Yeah, and that's what your voice was telling you was your best. What It was my only coping mechanism at the time, and that doesn't make it great or good or anything, but it's just what it was. Yeah. And that's the best that I could do at that time. Because that's where my brain was. That's where I was emotionally. And today, I'm so happy to say that the best that I can do is so much better. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank, Thank God. God. Thank fucking God. That I'm not hovering over toilets anymore. Because let me tell you, it's not cute. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's that's not chic by any means. No. <laughs> Spending time on a toilet is it's fucking gross. Like it at, at the end of the day, it is a bad way to live your life. And no matter no matter what your toilet is, there is there is a way out. You can yeah. flush and walk away. Like you can be yes, done with girl. it. Close the door, light a candle, get the fuck out of there. Yeah, <laughs> Say up. your goodbyes because there are tools. And what were yours? Yeah. Um big one for me was journaling. Um yeah. food journaling. Um mindful eating. I had to I had to exhaust pretty much every tool out there that cognitive behavior therapy. I really yeah. wanted to talk about that today. CBT. It's where you identify instead of saying like, oh, my mom was abusive and I grow up that way and now that's why I am the way I am. It's saying my mom was abusive and that made me feel this way mm. and that made me feel unworthy and then that unworthiness made me feel like I wasn't good enough and that not being good enough made me feel like I, I wasn't being seen, I wasn't important. You get down, you keep asking why, 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 why root. until you get to the root of that thought and instead of saying like well I'm gonna fix it and I'm not gonna feel that way anymore no no you just bring awareness so that the next day when that thought comes back again or the next hour or the next freaking minute you can ask yourself again why 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 so when the feelings of needing to purge or needing to restrict or needing to self-harm in any way come you say simply why why do I feel this? Why? And if that doesn't really work for you in that moment and it's not really, you're not really answering yourself or you're being like, ah, I don't need to, I don't need to do right. this. I'm just going to self-harm anyway. Like, ah, like you'd kind of avoid it. The more you just keep asking, well, why? Why? You don't necessarily have to have an answer that day, mm -hmm. but you keep going back to basics. You keep going back to why. Take a deep breath. Why? Okay, that was a moment where I evaluated that thought. I took that thought, I put it in front of me, I looked at it. Instead of it conquering me and being in control and me going on automatic response, grabbing the food and binging it, going to the bathroom and purging, you know, instead of just being on autopilot, I was realizing that I could take a moment to have the awareness of the action. Yeah. And this took months. I, I'm telling you right now, if you have something that you have to heal, be ready to have a marathon mentality. Be ready to be in it for the long haul. Understand, like Sky said, that every single day, you may have a relapse. You may go back to that mentality and feel like you didn't have any progress at all. That one day may be the worst day of your life and you do all of the old habits but it's about the next morning. It's about waking back up and forgiving yourself and understanding that you are only fucking human. Yeah. <laughs> you are a body with a heart on a rock floating through space. <laughs> <laughs> and if you go back to those basics of, okay, I feel my chest. I feel my heart. I'm sitting in a chair. I'm in this room. The sun is up. It's 2 p.m. There's, you know, you literally just label the simplicity of your current state. You bring it back to the here and the now. Mm -hmm. 
if you do that again and again and again and again, you start to tap into a mind space, a head space of awareness, of mindfulness, so that you can see your routine and your patterns and you can begin to break those and interrupt those and not fix or change or mold, but just confront mm. and embrace. Yeah. I Like hug the girl that has bulimia. Understand and see that she is doing the best that she can with the people and the interactions and the situations she's found herself in, the judgment that's been put on her, the, the food that she thinks is going to make her the best what a, it's all mental games really at the end of the day you can take control and it comes from a healthy connection with yourself and the people around you and your space and your body if you got to clean your room, <laughs> I'm telling you now, if your room's a mess, you're depressed. <laughs> I mean, that's not necessarily like across the board, but I, I, every time I clean my room, I feel 20 times better. Yeah. Every time it's my closet's stuff. real rough right now. I'm feeling it's, it. It's the simple stuff. Really. It is. It's about picking up after yourself, taking responsibility for your space and your belongings, going and taking a shower when you need a restart going and sitting with yourself and, and allowing yourself not to do anything. When I moved out to Los Angeles, I started to relapse a little bit. And there were about four times when I did binge and purge, like in the first six or seven months. Mm. And I, I remember those times because I remember the recovery process. I really had to work to pick, my, pick myself back up. There's this podcast called Brain Over Binge. And um, it talks about your higher and your lower brain. And the higher brain is the one that has control. It's the one that tells your animalistic brain, no, no, you don't have to fall into habitual patterns. We can break that and we can choose not to do that. And again, it takes time. It's but reprogramming it. It's reprogramming it. It's making different neural pathways in your brain that say, I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to live like this. I don't want to live like this. I want to change. I want to feel free, live the life where I can go to the party and have some wine, have some Cheetos, eat the freaking cake, you know? But be able to climb a mountain the next day. Exactly. Yes. And not because you need to burn off whatever right. you hate, it, but you to be able. to climb the mountain because right. yeah. you love it and you enjoy it and it brings you some sort of joy, happiness. In yeah. recovery, routine is also so important, I think. When you find your routine, your morning situation where you get up, you drink whatever sort of drink you like, whether that be, you know, coffee or hot water with lemon mm. or tea or lately I've been doing celery juice Yum. because I want to improve my blood and my circulation and heal my skin. And also sinless. If you wake up and you eat chocolate. Talking about your juicer. <laughs> my juice. Oh. <laughs> this girl <laughs> has a juicer that Ian and I are gifting her because we were gifted another one and it's been sitting in our new apartment for like, for like twice two a months. Week and I forget every single time. Is that it in the cooler? Yeah. Is it in the cooler? The 365 bag. Oh, okay. Can't forget it today. But yeah, so you have a routine that you, you, you go back to when things get out of sorts. And it takes time to find that. You have to really focus on the things that make you feel peaceful and calm. Yeah. 
in this society, you can feel really overwhelmed with the stress of everything. Yeah. And um, we're in two states. We're either in a relaxed, calm state or we're in a fight or flight state. And that's the difference. That's your parasympathetic nervous system. So when when you're in fight or flight, like we are so often in the society, you're in a susceptible place for illness and disease, whether that be mental or physical. And so finding routines that help calm down your your system really and truly um breathing deep is the number one sign or the number one proven study way of slowing down your system and and basically deactivating the fight or flight response because when you're breathing deep you're giving your brain and your cells the amount of oxygen it needs to carry out daily tasks and to function and to process emotions and that that simple act of breathing deep i know you hear it all the time but picture in your head this is a biofeedback way of doing it you close your eyes and you take in a breath and you imagine a light glow bigger and as you exhale you imagine the light glow small and the mm. light grows bigger and then the glow goes small and you you breathe with that and you see that and you internalize that in your your lungs and that will change your state. Yeah. And for those of you listening, whether you are struggling with an eating disorder, you're recovering from one, you have some sort of anything that you're struggling with, we definitely urge you to join us on this month-long meditation challenge just to get your your system working in a different way than it, than it has been. Whether you meditate you know, regularly, and if you do it every day, then yay, join the party and, and do it with us. But, you know, for those of you like me who we, Victoria and I have talked about how our, our commitment to meditation might not be the strongest that it could be. Mm-hmm. So join us and let, mm-hmm. let's, let's breathe together. And I think meditation is important because especially with things that attach to your self-image, because exercise is so important and so is eating healthy for your, your body's physical state and right. being able to heal and process emotions. But I think above all that you have to heal your mind Mm. because you could sit there and you could say well I'm gonna exercise the pain away or I'm gonna eat the proper foods yeah I I remember seeing this meme and it's like okay Stacy you can eat the kale (laughs) you can drink the green juice you can do the yoga you can say the mantras but if you're not dealing with the shit that's inside you'll never heal and meditation I truly believe is one of the best ways to listen yeah and i think you know what you just said that was that was what i struggled with very deeply yeah very 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 negative image of myself yeah what what was that like i know you didn't get deep into eating disorders but like i feel like yours is much more relatable in that like if it's just the typical life of a girl well i grew up in the ballet world Mm. that was where i dipped my toe into the performing arts I started taking ballet at two. Like that, literally, like when I could walk, I was in ballet class. Huh. Yeah. And I'm really grateful for that. Don't get me wrong. I love dance. I think it's such a beautiful expression. Mm. I think it's a beautiful art form. It can be very detrimental to your body. I've experienced severe hip, knee, back problems throughout my life. So, you know, take it easy. Be careful. Listen to your body. Stretch. Make mm, sure you're yeah. recovering. And I, I did all Hydrate. that. Hydrate. Yes, I mm. definitely back then and now can do a better job with that. Grabbing my water right now. <laughs> water break. 
I know I'm out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Ballet World, for those of you who um, are not as familiar, I know Sky and, and Victoria have, have dabbled, if not done more than dabble, just from our program alone. Um, but yeah, so from a very young age, I was in leotard and tights. I was with, you know, 20 plus women or girls at the time and, you know, a, a very strict ballet teacher who was in a lot of ways like a second mother to me. She was a family friend when I got into that studio. Um, I love her very deeply and I love what that studio brought to my life. A really wonderful group of friends and also some not so wonderful friends that I no longer speak to on regular basis because they triggered my own insecurities and would go out of their way to be unkind to people. And that's just not on the vibe, okay? Mm. (laughs) Um, But it wasn't until I was probably nine or ten that when I went through puberty, I was a bit heavier than most of my friends. Mm. I, um, you know, I gained a bunch of weight. And um, because I was always in a leotard and tights and I was in a performing arts world, you know, I at that point had started taking acting classes and I was a really good singer. So, um, you know, Broadway was definitely on the brain from an early age. And at the time, Broadway stars were very skinny. I also wanted to be a Rockette. Rockettes are tall and skinny girls, you know, and that's just how it was then. And it's still that way now, but it is shifting. It is changing, which, you know, it's a very, very beautiful um, time we are in, in the entertainment industry with the the movements that are happening um, all around. And we will definitely cover that on other episodes of this podcast because I think it's really important to talk about. Um, But for the purposes of today... um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when I was a bit heavier than most of my friends, uh, my dance teacher would make comments every single class about my weight and about what I was eating. You know, she would instill in us to eat lettuce and Diet Coke and Malbatose. And, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God. Talk about no nutrition whatsoever. And I don't know who it was. I don't want to give this... um, I don't want to hold my dance teacher responsible for this because I really don't remember if it was one of the moms because let me tell you, some of my friends' moms are like my moms. Like my closest friends, like their moms are like some of the biggest support systems that I've had. Um, But they were dance moms. They would sit at our studio and nitpick every little movement that we made, who was getting the leads in 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 the numbers and why they didn't deserve that. And... What they didn't realize was that we were cognitive. We were old enough to know when they were talking about us. And like... How that affected you. Yes. You know, we were young. We were so young and susceptible and... And well, I, Julie's I don't think, legs are too skinny, or they're not skinny enough, or, so she's not going to be the swan. The right. little comments that you hear growing up can impact you so much more oh, than you ever thought Exactly, exactly, especially when we're that young. So you harbor them. Yeah, yeah. And so... And it got to a pl- it got to a point where my dance teacher it was like a joke to her. She'd be like, "Well, Danny, you just really need to stop mm. eating McDonald's." And what she didn't realize was that I didn't eat a fucking McDonald's hamburger for a year. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I would get to a place where I was so sad. I'd be like, "Mom, I want Wendy's," and she would take me. You know, and and that's not my mom's fault, but um, you know, I I would go through phases where I would do extreme dieting, and then. Um, 
just completely binge and gain all the weight back. I've tried every single diet there is, and I started them when I was, you know, 10 or 11 years old. Oh South God. Beach diet, Atkins diet. Um, Weight you, Watchers? Weight Watchers. I don't know if I did that, but maybe mm-hmm. Jenny Craig. I don't I don't know. I don't think I did any of that I had to pay for, but, you know, I'd read up on them. I did – I tried. I attempted to do that, like, master cleanse diet in high school oh, yeah. my senior year because I was the lead in the play. And my drama teacher in high school did not instill any negative self-talk. In fact, she would always condone, you're beautiful the way you are. So mm. thank you, Miss Kate, if you're listening. I love oh. you very much. Um, but you know, it was, it was something that I did within myself. I was like, well, I'm the lead and I want to look good at prom. And I was dating at the time a very, very skinny man, my senior year of high school. Um, that was a negative (laughs) toxic relationship. I actually dumped him the night of my closing (laughs) night of the show and told him, you're not going to prom with me because you're an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) That like, that like, that demonic laugh. So proud of that. Um, Honestly, girl, you know what you want. You go and you get it. You know what? I I will say I am a sassy, sassy lady sometimes. (laughs) You both know that. Never, right? Never me. You expressing your mind? What a thunk. (laughs) I know. Um, But, you know, while that that guy that I dated, like I said, he was extremely skinny, extremely, extremely skinny. And I, at the time, like senior year of, of high school, I was probably at my heaviest that I was in high school because mm-hmm. my weight fluctuated my entire life. And that didn't really have to do with the dieting. The dieting was always if I was heavy. Mm-hmm. In, in my eyes, I was heavy. Um, I would I would restrict. I would, I would, you know, restrict, 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 and then get to a place where I was like, well, I'm not really seeing results. And then I'd binge. Mm-hmm. I would just eat my feelings. I definitely have a sweet tooth. I still do. But, you know, as we've talked about, balance and, mm. and not feeling guilty about it and just living your best life mm. and, and taking care of yourself. Yes. So for me, um, it comes I, back to how you feel. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm much more in tune with myself now. And that's through, you know, years of, of working on that because mm. I, even at my skinniest, you know, and I'm using yeah, air, air quotes. quotes at my skinniest in high school, in college, I was not healthy. I wasn't yeah. eating good food. I was eating crap. That's so important. And you I was not so sleeping. So I had an Adderall prescription. So it wasn't, you know, I was, that, that's another topic for another time. But, you know, I was, I was abusing Adderall. And um, I thought it was just to, you know, get my work done. But it also was to suppress my appetite. So and I was not upset about that when I would lose a bit of weight because I wasn't freaking eating. So while I never identified myself as having an eating disorder, as I look back from being the healthiest that I've ever been, and I will applaud myself for that because I have gone through a lot with with how I feel about myself and how I look in the mirror and see myself. And body dysmorphia is a real thing. And I yes, think all of us go totally. through it at some, you know, way, shape or form. Even, you know, men are, are conditioned to believe that they need to be strong, you know, muscular totally. dudes. Right. And you know and, what? Not mm-hmm. every man is like Everyone's like that. body is built differently. Yeah. And you can't tell how healthy someone is by how they look. No, mm-hmm. no. And that was such a hard concept for me to understand you know so it, it took a long long time I got into metaphysical wellness yoga all the mm-hmm. things we talked about in our about us episode episode two um and that was about six years ago 
And that was really like it took a long time. Like you were saying, like I would repeat these mantras. I would instill these practices into my life. But that didn't mean that most nights I wouldn't be in my bed crying about how much I hated myself. And it took a long time for me to just accept where I was, Mm. accept that it is a journey, it is a struggle, it is a lot of work and time and effort that you have to put in, and that Rome is not built in a night, you know, bringing two callbacks. (laughs) But, you know, just, just knowing that, just finding acceptance in where I was and being okay with that and being yeah. okay with the fact that, you know, my tummy might not be as flat as my mm. as my friends and my thighs don't touch, but I'm beautiful on the inside and, you know, if I'm not beautiful on the outside to someone else, that doesn't fucking matter. If society doesn't see me as beautiful because I have that extra weight, fuck society. Yeah, yes. right. Really. That's key right there. And I think that that is the movement that's happening right now right. in Hollywood and rippling out everywhere and yeah. i'm so down with it yeah me too Amen. i'm fed up with, I, a couple of people i just want to throw out there ali tate cutler is someone that's in the movement she on instagram ali tate cutler she i love looking at her stuff she's so about like exposing you to like real bodies mm. and she's a plus size model and love she it. shows just all these beautiful artistic pictures of her like size 12 body you know beautiful which is so average and normal right that is actually in america the average size Size is size 12 and that is stigmatized like to think that like we don't embrace that at when we are that size or or larger or smaller or you know what even at any size we don't embrace ourselves women are supposed to have hips we're supposed supposed to to have like Mm -hmm. tummies because what are what are we on earth for other than to live our best lives but carry children exactly. you know and <laughs> there's just so much that goes into it because like there's some people like actually it's crazy because there's you know people who have experienced what we have but then there's people who are also on the opposite end of the spectrum like i have this one friend um we're not as close anymore but we were really close in middle school and this was obviously before i had like gone through my eating disorder but she always had such a problem gaining weight yeah, right. and she that was like, yes. and she was like, "I'm too skinny. I don't have boobs. I don't have a butt. Yeah, like That's I wish, too. I wish I could gain weight, but like you know, I try to eat as much as I can, and it's just like it's so hard for me to gain weight and to keep weight on. And she's like, "Well, I'm not like a real woman because I don't have tits and ass, mm. and it's yeah, you know, there's I have a few girlfriends the, like that for too, sure. exactly. And then, but then it's crazy too because." Uh, there were a couple times when you know she would have that conversation in front of people, and people would be like, "Oh wow, your life is so hard. Right? You can't gain yeah. weight." But it's like, no, just, that's... you can't. You could look at someone and be like, "Wow, they have the most. What I think is the most beautiful body, right. or what society deems as the most beautiful body." You have no idea what kind of internal struggle that they're going through. Sure. Absolutely, for sure. No one is alone in feeling alone. So, Ian. Is there anything you'd like to add to our topic from a male perspective and from a technological perspective? Definitely. Thank you guys <laughs> for having me on. And I've been listening this whole time on my headphones over there in the in my cove. This um, full two-hour endeavor. <laughs> yeah, and it's been beautiful to listen to you guys, you know, talk about your journeys and the recovery that you've you've found. I just want to talk about kind of my journey with, you know, food and my diet and and eating and actually 
kind of having a borderline eating disorder myself. Then I want to tie that in with kind of technology and the futures of, of therapy and the ways that I think technology are going to change the way we deal with mental health in our society. Mm, please do. So just starting off with my kind of personal journey, I've struggled with depression for a long time. And I think it was just kind of an un... I didn't really know where to place my focus in life. And so, you know, growing up, I had a kind of un unstable home life. My, you know, my mom was a workaholic and my, my dad was, uh, you know, had severe manic depression. And that's not to say it wasn't a loving environment. It was in incredibly loving. And, you know, I am the person I am today. But, you know, at times, like, it affected me emotionally a lot. Mm. And so when I, was, when I was around 18, that's when I became a vegan. And it was out of a place, like you guys were talking about, like, it was out of a place of positivity. It was like, mm -hmm. I'm going to be a vegan because it's, you know, so awesome. And you get all these health benefits. And, you know, you are changing the world and you're saving the animals. Mm -hmm. And I was riding this wave of momentum. And I think that's what I see with mental health a lot is it's all about momentum. And keeping your momentum up is one of the keys to, like, staying in a positive place. Yes. And so for me, you know, I was really into Bruce Lee. Like, I read all of Bruce Lee's books and I was, like, doing all of his workouts and, like, to the T. And I, I, like, had found his diet and I, you know, figured out, but it wasn't a vegan diet, you know, and so, but I was working out super hard, and so I was almost like 190 pounds, like I was super strong, super fit, and I felt great, and then I, I became a vegan, and I carried that momentum, um, I guess, all the way until I was around like 21, but when I was 21, I was, you know, in a kind of really toxic relationship, um, some things happened really bad with finances, with my family, with myself. And so I actually like moved back in with my mom and, you know, that wasn't the best, <laughs> best thing for me. And so Start I think that's when it started to become kind of a negative environment. Um, and I actually started to lose tons of weight. I, you know, I actually got down to 145 pounds, which on a six, two frame is like yeah. nothing. Yeah. And after being 190 pounds, right? Like yeah, I lost so much weight shift. and, Part of it was like, you know, I was in the South. I'm from Asheville, North Carolina. And so like there was kind of a stigma against veganism. You know, I think Victoria was talking about earlier, like, oh, yeah, you go through and, and you know, sometimes people just don't understand what you're doing right. and they kind of call you out for it. And so I definitely experienced that, but it was also more born out of depression. I just got to the point where, I, you know, I didn't want to go out. Like I just kind of stayed in my my little cocoon, mm. my little room and, and didn't really do much um except for video games <laughs> maybe <laughs> knowing you <laughs> yeah and so the thing that i want to touch on um that kind of brought me out of this and a, a recurring theme that i see within a lot of people's journey to recovery whether it's from eating disorders drug addiction you know depression even um is having a person that unconditionally loves them mm. and is really that support and uh I just remember like my brother was really depressed too at the time, you know, and he's three years older than me. We um, both kind of had this realization, like we were kind of, you know, had our shirts off and we were looking at each other like, <laughs> yo, like, where are you? Like, where's your muscle? Like what happened? You know? And uh, it was over the winter that I lost all that weight and, you know, actually super cold. It's gray during the winter, but super gorgeous during the summer and everything. And 
during that time, like it, that's when I lost that weight. But it was ultimately my brother, you know, coming to me and just being like, yo, like, what are we doing? Like, and just having that kind of wake up call. Mm. And I think that that's something that everyone has to seek out and you have to be ready to be like, okay, I need help. You know, I, I need to reach out mm. or find that support network. And this is a, you know, where technology kind of comes into play for me. Um, on our last episode, I was talking about, um, you know, how community can be built through technology and how it connects us. Um, and I think that that's really important with, you know, eating disorders and, you know, a variety of other mental illness, physical illness is finding that support network, even if you can't find it physically in your, you know, local community. It's out there. It's on the internet. You can find these people mm-hmm. that will first they'll relate to you because they've yeah. probably been through something similar, and second they can give you even more resources and more knowledge about how they recovered or how you know the people they sought out mm. to aid in that. And yeah. so, if I'm like virtual pre- mentors, and right, 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 and accountability partners to to an extent. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like you can definitely have like a virtual accountability partner or. You know, almost like a uh, like a pen pal yeah. kind of thing. You know, projecting even further into the future. My whole thing is experience sharing. And so in Michio Kaku's uh, book, The Future of the Mind, he talks about how um, we're essentially developing technology to record people's experiences. And with virtual reality, like that's the whole name of the game is to make virtual reality indistinguishable from actual reality. And so my whole thing is like the boost of empathy and understanding between us that's going to come about when I can experience someone else's recovery from the exact illness I have or, you know, just anything like, you know, imagine if you could experience what a, you know, enlightened person experiences or somebody who is, is a, is a monk on the other side of the world, like they've already been able to, you know, essentially map people's uh, cortexes in their brain and share images between brains. And so it's, you know, it's a fledgling technology, but that's not to say it's not going to explode. Michio Kaku talks about the brain net being the next frontier. So like right now we have the internet, but the brain net would essentially be millions of minds around the world that are connected and having sharing experiences that's that's my projection is that i think a big part of mental illness it'll be sharing and finding that community virtually and having the ability to experience recovery you know just like we hear or we read or we you know watch movies that affect us or can change our lives you know i know i've been through that and i've come out of a movie and been like wow like that recontextualized my entire existence Um, (laughs) but imagine if you can actually experience someone's recovery from your specific eating disorder and see the journey that they went through but on a Mm. like a physical and emotional and intimate level i think it'll increase the rate at which we can learn at which we can recover and at which we can grow as a as a as a species as a humanity that's my bit yeah Um, (laughs) that's impactful it's really powerful it's like in order to heal individually we have to heal collectively 
Right. And the power of the web unites us in that effort. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I think like communities are springing up around the world that never would have been possible. Yeah. And, you know, like I was reading an article about how Twitter has toppled multiple dictatorships mm. because the youth of that country use Twitter to organize protests that's and amazing. events. That's and, awesome. and that's just, you know, one tip of the iceberg for how, you know, technology can bring people together to change for the better. Just like this podcast <laughs> and other podcasts mostly that, you know, have yeah. really, really reached so many people. So we're really, we're really excited to be doing what we're doing and have the people on that we're having. And yeah, thank you so much, Sky, for oh again, God. for sharing. Thank and... you guys for having me on. It was a whirlwind. <laughs> oh, and there's one, <laughs> there's one more question we have to ask you because this is the question that we're going to ask all of our guests from here on out. What today would you say makes you vibe? What is it that puts mm. you in your flow? Uh, taking time for myself to step away from society and just be with myself. And for me, that usually means going for a hike. And I like to hike without music. I usually hike with my dog, Abby. She's my little companion. Um, but I really love going hiking alone because I'm forced to... Just reevaluate where I'm at mentally mm. and see how I can move forward. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, my um Sydney Walker referred to it one time that those moments alone with yourself and not necessarily on a hike or wherever, but it is it's like going into a cave with yourself where you yes. you there's nothing there, there's no other light, there is you and you. Yeah. yeah. And from that place is where you grow. Yeah. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode and for allowing us the time and space to share our journeys about this. If you are struggling with an eating disorder, with a mental disorder, with depression, with any self-harm, please reach out, reach out to us, Yes. call the National Suicide Hotline, go attend meetings in your area. Hug your friends. Mm. Hug an animal. Take care of each other. We will provide in the show notes as many resources as we can muster for eating disorders, mental disorders, outreach, community. And as Victoria said, our DM is open. Our DM is open. We're, <laughs> we're always vibing for you people. Come vibe with us. Yes. No matter what level of frequency you're vibing at. <laughs> you are welcome. You are loved. Once again, thank you so much for listening to Podcast on the Vibe. It, it feels good, good to, to be, be tapped in. in. Yay. That was oh, so powerful. Oh, good oh, time. Hug. One more hug. I need a hug after all of that.